Hello, my praying people. I'm so excited to be coming to you this week from my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains. I'm not sure that you can hear it, but I'm sitting on the porch right now and listening to the raindrops continuing to fall. There was quite a shower this afternoon, and this evening the raindrops are just continuing to drip down, and I don't know, there's something very, very peaceful about sitting on a porch after a a, a rain in the mountains. I mean, it's so very um, peaceful. Anyway, today on our podcast, we're going to be talking about two desperate women and i'm going to introduce you to my friend rachel lovinggood you're going to absolutely love her this conversation really turned into quite the encouragement to our faith and so if you're dealing with a prayer that you're desperate for god to answer or if you think that whatever's going on with you is not significant enough or that god has better things to do than to answer your prayers then this podcast is for you. As always, I want to invite you to um, invite others to hear what we have to say. If it resonates with your heart, if the message of this podcast resonates with you, then please share it with your friends. Also, take the time to subscribe to the Prayer Clinic podcast. Give us a rating of five, which is the, the top rating, meaning that you did love the podcast, and that will help us get our voice out there and heard amongst all the other voices. Here at the Prayer Clinic podcast, we want to share the truth about women, obviously, this summer, but even more than that, we're sharing the truth about God and His incredible love for all of us. So um, sit back, enjoy, listen. And throw your earbuds in your ears and get after your gardening or whatever it is you're doing this summer and um, listen as Rachel Lovingood and I share with you the stories and the way Jesus responded to two desperate women. Hello, my praying people. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend of many years, Rachel Lovingood. Rachel, thank you for being with us this morning on the podcast. It's my um, pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And um, Rachel's coming to us from Cleveland, Tennessee. Everybody you meet from Cleveland says it's the hub of the universe. So Rachel, we're so excited that you're with us from the hub of the universe and she's probably married to the guy that might have coined that phrase I don't know (laughs) the two that did he and his buddy a long time ago oh my goodness so Rachel and um and her husband and my husband and I were all at seminary at the same time if I'm not mistaken and that was many years ago but um anyway Rachel today has been in ministry for all of those years those same amount of years that that Tom and I've been in ministry and she has three grown children the youngest of which just got married um five grandchildren so Rachel your kids are doing a better job than mine are at delivering those grandchildren to you in timely order. I've only got two. You know what? They've been up to a lot. So (laughs) that's funny. But anyway, um, Rachel, thank you. And um, for being here with us. And I I really am glad to have you for this particular conversation, because we're going to talk about as part of this truth about women series, we're going to talk about these two desperate women. And to be quite honest, I want to tell the listeners that the reason that I thought you would be great (laughs) for this 
this conversation is because you came to our church and spoke at a women's event, did a tremendous job of it. And I believe that when you came, you spoke on the woman that was um, dealing with the issue of blood. And I still remember the conversation and some of the points that you made. And it was just so much insight. And because Rachel has written Bible studies and been a teacher of the word for so many years, she's just ideal for for this conversation. So Rachel, thanks for being with us. So share with us anything you want to about yourself and then let's jump into these stories. (laughs) Well, I, there's not much to tell about me. It's same as you, Leah, you know, just kind of, (laughs) get lost in some of the details. Um, right. But um, but I do uh, remember being with y'all and I loved every second of it. You guys have a great church in Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so it was a privilege to be there. Um, and honestly, I think God's word has such better things to tell us than, than my life would. But I will say that mm-hmm. when you invited me to do it, and I think that, I think you were calling this one, um, the two desperate women, Yes, that's uh, right. Kind of how we were, we were um, identifying this particular podcast. I remember thinking, well, I'll totally relate to that because you know, um, <laughs> that's good. Right? Because none yeah. of us at this point in life in our fifties, where we cannot totally relate to what it feels like to be desperate about something, right. some of the time, all of the time, you know, all of those kind of things. And so I love this too because I really do think that <clears throat> the more that I'm a that I, that I get to travel and speak and any, do any of those things with women, I'm recognizing that, gosh, don't we just live in this society and this culture where desperation has become the norm instead of the, Mm. Oh, what happened to me last week? Or, you know, just this little, this little, um, microcosm of our lives. It seems like so many people are just living in desperation. And so just kind of, I don't know. I just feel like this is a very timely subject. Good. I agree. I'm excited to be jumping in on it with you. I appreciate all that you do with the prayer clinic and all of the teaching and um, writing. Uh, Leanne's books are some of my favorites. And uh, anyway, so I appreciate all that you've done in ministry and uh, looking forward to the rest of it. Well, thank you. And yes, I think that we are ideal, the two of us. Two desperate women are going to talk about two desperate women this morning and our and our scripture. So let's jump into um who do we want to talk about first? The woman with the issue of blood? Yeah, let's go there first. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll go there I'm, first. That's where I flipped to my Bible. So <laughs> Okay, good. Well, you're there. So you tell us, like either um tell us the story, maybe in your own words, and then let's just uh, talk about her for a minute. Okay. Um, and you know, sometimes, um, well, you and I were just talking about it, but, um, you don't always hear a lot of teaching on this passage. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. just uncomfortable to say that she had an issue of blood. I don't know, but sure, um, right, those right. are the things that not just in ancient days were considered taboo. Um, right. Even to anyway, I don't know. I just right. think it's, no, you're right. We don't hear a lot on this passage of scripture and sure. it's long, but it is. Um, and we found it, there's a couple of different places you can find it in the gospels, but we both agreed that we kind of like the, the passage in Luke chapter nine. And, and this is where Jesus is going and he's doing all of the things that he did, you know, here and there with the crowds and all of that. And, um, and it says that Jesus was doing, he was going about what he did and Jairus came. Now we do hear a lot of teaching about Jairus and that story of his daughter, um, because Jairus was a leader in the synagogue and he came to Jesus and he just fell at his feet and he was begging him, please, please, please come to my house. My 12 year old daughter is about to die. So you have a desperate man, a desperate father, right. and all of our hearts go out to him when you read this story. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, bless his heart. I mean, I'm from the South, so bless his heart. Yeah, we bless and- his heart for sure. <laughs> 
that's like all that. Um, and then, and then reading on Delphi there, and it says Jesus. And while he was going, so he heads out to go to Jairus's house. He's respecting the request that Jairus asked him. And it said that the crowds were nearly crushing him. And I was thinking about that a little bit. Um, have you about how how it feels when you're in a crowd and you literally realize I don't know how I, you know, like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. You know, like mm. that feeling of the crowds mm-hmm. crushing in on you. I've been mm-hmm. to a lot of events with a lot of people actually just saw a, a memory on social media that came up and it was talking about the largest crowd in college football history ever was over 156,000 people um, at a college football game at the Bristol Motor Speedway and my son was playing and we were there. And I was like taken back to the whole time, you know, realizing we're going to be a part of the biggest crowd to ever watch a college football game live. And like, that's kind of cool, but it also sounds terrible, you know, at the same time. But when you're there and there's just so many people are pressing in, you know, you just kind of start to realize, A, how small you are, B, how powerless you are. Mm. And, you know, just the fact that if this crowd mob mentality takes over for some reason, we're in trouble, you know. Wow. So just picture it. I think a lot of times we just think about things that we read in scripture as just kind of casual and lackadaisical, but yeah. there's a reason why that detail was given there. And so the crowds mm-hmm. were nearly crushing Jesus. And I'm not saying at all that he was in fear or any of those because he's Jesus, but right. there's been times in a crowd in which I felt somebody touched me on the back and, and, you know, you turned around and you have no idea who that was. I mean, you know, there's right. just everywhere. And so yeah. it says then about verse 43, that a mm-hmm. woman was suffering from bleeding for 12 years. And she had spent all she had on doctors and she could not be healed. The doctors could do nothing for for her, but she came to Jesus. She approached him and she touched the tassel of his robe, which were those little tassels that hang on the corners of the robe and instantly her bleeding stopped. And then I love this because exactly what I just said a second ago, Liam, when you're in a crowd of people, you don't know who's bumping you and who's doing all the things. And he, um, she touched the tassel of his robe not his shoulder, not his skin, you know, no part yeah. of his face or anything. And he immediately stopped and said, who just touched me? And you kind of just want to go, really? Like, who yeah. touched you? I mean, 47 right. people are touching you. And right. uh, I mean, that's just my sarcasm. That was not in scripture. No, I love it. Well, and I also wonder like, um, what did he actually feel? Was it like an electric current go through his body? Or, I mean, somehow he felt the power of healing going out of him. You know, yes. well, that's exactly what he said. I felt, yeah. I know the power has gone out for me. <laughs> um, I love it too, that Peter, Peter was like me. He's like, everybody's like, Peter said, master, the crowds are hemming in. Everybody's pressing against you. You know, right, right, right. Like, no, no, no. Someone touched me with a purpose. And that's mm. kind of an interesting, I mean, I, like he that. I'm, I, I added that. Right. With a, but someone did touch me, Jesus said, and I knew that, and I know that power has gone out for me when here's the part that's real interesting. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him in the presence of all the people. And she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly cured and daughter. He said to her, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Isn't that cool? Right. Um, and I love that. And I love what you just said to Leanne. How did he know that the power went out from him? Right, right. What did that feel like? 
And the fact that everybody, I love what you said too, that um, she touched him with a purpose. Everybody else is just bumbling about in the crowd, anxious to see what's going to happen next. I'm sure they were all caught up in the fact that Jairus, this prominent citizen, oh my goodness, his daughter is about to die. What's he going to do? How's it going to be? And then um, when she comes up, so I get the feeling that even when she was, uh, in that crowd and touching his tassel, she probably would have been just fine with going away and not having to be acknowledged. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I got because when she re- said, when she realized she'd been discovered, she's like, Oh man. Oh, you know, like, right. Right. But how typical, how typical of we, as women, sometimes we want Jesus We want him to do a work in our lives. We're desperate for him to do it, but we don't necessarily, we, we want to fly under the radar with it. We don't necessarily want it called out. Maybe we, maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe we don't feel like we deserve recognition. I don't, you know, whatever, but so often, you know, we feel like we're taking a, and Jesus is like, no, let's just, let's, let's bring this out. Wow. Right. Right. And for what purpose? Um, Maybe even because she even like she received her healing before he ever mm-hmm. said anything about it. So the saying about it wasn't necessarily for her because she'd already gotten what she needed. And she it knew was, it. Yes. And she knew, and she it, knew right it. And that was and probably even because she knew she was healed was part of the reason she was able to be like it was like the humility of that and the willingness to say it was me, it was me, you know, and her coming forward and saying, and instead of him having to really, you know, stand there and say, okay, I'm not moving until I find out who did this (laughs) because she came forward. And it may be that exactly what you said. It may be that because she knew that she had been healed. So she was feeling kind of empowered, but also Leanne, I can't get past this concept. I've studied it just in the past few months, I've just been on a little bit of a, a theme and uh-huh. I've truly think that she felt Jesus love for her. And mm. she knew, I can answer, I can be seen, That's good. I can stand before Jesus because there's nothing about him that was condemning or mm. angry or attacking. He always approached women with love, grace, mercy, honor, respect, all of those things. And that's different than maybe the culture that she was living in. Oh, that's good. I just think a lot of it is just, you know, when you're around somebody that's real and genuine and mm-hmm. they just, honestly, I know sometimes, but you just feel warmer or just, you, yeah. you just feel the love. Um, yes. I just have to think that's how Jesus was with women and you go back and read story after story and we'll talk about another one in a minute but even the way he responded he didn't respond to her with anger um or Mm-mm. or um chastisement or rebuke or anything and so she had to feel that because she was used to the other mm-hmm. she was a woman mm-hmm. with an issue of blood so she wasn't just a woman who felt terrible which by the way mm-hmm. anybody right, raised sure ever had that feelings yeah um, she didn't just feel terrible she was an outcast of society because when women were actively, well, blood was an issue that would keep you from people or from worship. So she right. has been for 12 years, hasn't been able to be a part of the body of Christ, such as it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't able to participate in that kind of thing. So she was lonely. 
an outcast right. as far as that goes. Right. And then people were scared to touch her because she was known as that lady with the blood issue, you know, or right. that lady still bleeding or whatever. Um, and so she, she was used to a lot of negative feelings, mm-hmm. especially in a crowd. And then Jesus responded with love and uh, what a difference. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And to think that she came out that day, like all of her faith compelled her for everything that she did. Like she overcame even the taboo and the, um, the, the, what wasn't okay in her society would have been for her to even been there. And she overcame that because of her desperation for what she believed Jesus could do. And there's something, so what do you make of Jesus saying to her daughter, your faith has made you well? I, I love that. Now, this is not the only place that we hear that, right? In scripture, many times, right? It was your faith or the, the paralyzed man was the faith of his friends. You know, I mean, it was like, right. Isn't that a little bit, I don't know. I think it speaks a little bit to our responsibility um, and, and our accountability for how we respond. Um, For instance, she could have well, listen, it also, it says she was 12 years. She'd been to every doctor. She spent all the money she had. So the woman's she's got nothing, you know? Right. And sometimes when you're, you know, at the bottom, yeah. the only place to look is up, but, yeah. um, but she hears about Jesus and she believes that he can make a difference. So the question mm-hmm. then Leanne would be with what you're saying, let me ask it back a question. Mm-hmm. Let's say that she's just in the crowd and just bumps into Jesus without ever thinking, maybe he could heal me. Does she get healed just from bumping into him? I don't know. That's right. Because how many people maybe already had bumped into him who probably needed what only Jesus could give, but they didn't, they didn't know that. That's what I'm saying. Doesn't that speak a little bit to her responsibility to recognize that Jesus is my hope, that Jesus has what I need? Because there's people who come into our churches today who hear truth that could change their lives, but if they're not willing to believe it, is it going to change their lives? Hmm, That's good. That's a good point. Absolutely. That makes sense. And so it was her, what, what made her the prime candidate? It was her desperation. It was her willingness to overcome any kind of um, fear. Like she was going after him. And then, um, I love that she was willing to be acknowledged because that way we got the story. You know, how would we have known that it had been 12 years or any of these things had it not been that she would come near? And then Jesus just um, acknowledging her and then using her as an example to all the others in a way. It's almost like in my mind, he called her out because he not only loved her, absolutely. And I love how you described how how he loves women and gives them value and um that, that sense of I can be who I am with this person because I'm completely accepted by them. I love that. I love that. But at the same time, he loved everybody in that crowd. And perhaps for that reason, he wanted to acknowledge this healing power that he had and that had just poured out of him. <laughs> and right. it's kind of interesting that right after that, he goes over to Jairus's home and, uh, and there's immediate desperation again and total like uh, trying to get you not to believe because now not only has his daughter been sick, but now she's died. And isn't that funny how that happens? And it would, it's not, not, not funny in a ha-ha kind of way, but right. just the, yeah, the irony of how our lives do, because we'll have one great, big, wonderful 
answered prayer. God has answered this prayer. And then we get up the next day and there's something else that's gone amiss. And immediately your faith is challenged again. And um, well, and the fact that Jairus's daughter died. Okay. So also think about this. So there's a crowd of people, Jesus, and everybody knows he's heading to Jairus's house because his daughter is so sick and she's on the edge. Right. And so, but then the woman with the issue of blood touches the tassel of Jesus' robe and he pauses the whole thing and, you know, becomes a thing. He, you know, the whole movement towards Jairus and they pause there. And so here's the question. Can you, we don't read it. So I'm just hypothesizing a little bit because sometimes we put ourselves in, could this have happened? Could you hear some people in the crowd going, whoa, 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 time is of the essence. How come it? why would we can't stop here? Jairus's daughter is sick and she's about to die. And we pause for the woman with the issue of blood and the daughter dies. And so if you don't know the rest of the story, you could think, Oh, Jesus. Oh, buddy, you just stopped. And now the whole situation has gotten worse because you stopped for this woman. Yes. And she was still going to yes. be here in an hour after you got back from Jairus's house, but you chose to stop here, make a thing. And it took time. And, and so she's the reason why Jairus's daughter died. You could see, yeah. I mean, could you not kind of see yeah. that? Um, and really it's and that even also maybe a little bit of her hesitance um, to kind of be trembling a little bit in fear mm. and anticipation when she gets called out because she, because just after that, it says, and then a, someone from his house came and said, don't even bother coming. She's already died. And so everybody right. goes, oh man, you blew the timeline, but yeah, right. knows it's about to be so much better. Ooh, that's so good. And that's such a good point. Cause what came to my mind when you were saying that is this woman had had this issue of blood 12 years, which is ironically the same exact age of the little girl. She's uh-huh. been alive for 12 years. So for as long as that little baby girl has been living, this woman has had this issue. And you okay. could say, well, goodness, honey, you've been dealing with this for 12 years. A few more minutes would be okay. But yeah. then at the same time, that wasn't okay for Jesus. Cause he's like, she's been dealing with this for 12 years. And, and, and in fact, she just came to him and the healing came, came out, but it was important enough. That moment was significant enough for him to stop everything else. And the, and the meaning being that he knew that time, he's not a slave to time and he's not a slave to what just happens in the natural course of events. Right. And so, um, yeah, but we, we see it exactly we like are that. bound by time. And so we always yes. read scripture, always. We typically yeah. read scripture and judge things that happen by our conception of time. And it just doesn't translate for Jesus. Oh, He's always like right. oh, way more interested in just like we always hear timing than time. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. And it actually makes the story better because oh, we never right. tell the one story without the other. You know, yeah. they just they go together. And so here's the prominent guy that uh, absolutely you would expect Jesus to go to his home when he asked. And then here's this woman that shouldn't even be out because she's so unclean and outside of society. And yet Jesus is showing that he loves everybody. Everybody is included. Those that are considered outcasts and those that are the leaders. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And you know what just hit me? It was one of the words you said, I can't remember which one, but it made me think of Uh this. Jesus was on an important mission and everybody knew what was happening. And she hesitated to interrupt what he was doing 
but because she had the guts, because she was desperate, because she believed that Jesus could bring healing, she took a chance on interrupting him Mm. to maybe be able to receive healing. And I've talked to women and this one breaks my heart. This one breaks Mm. my heart. I've talked to women and said, gosh, you know, maybe they've told me about something. And I've said, gosh, have you prayed about that? I mean, these are maybe people that already Mm. know Jesus, you know, and I said, have you prayed about that? And I've literally heard these words. You tell me if you have before. Oh, I don't want to bother God with that. Oh yeah. That's such a sad. Oh, I would not want to interrupt. I would not when basically what they're saying is um, God has a lot going on. True story. He does have a lot going on. He's running right. the whole world and keeping up with all the world. But so many right. times, y'all, that's a world, that's a lie of the world, right? Right. That your life or my life or whatever is plaguing us or causing us to be desperate or even just, um, you know, hurting us in some way, that that is not significant enough to interrupt Jesus for it. Right. And Jesus right. gave us right here a beautiful example of girl do not worry about that because he said daughter your faith has made you well and i can almost hear him saying it to us daughter don't hesitate to grab the tassel on my robe whenever you think you need it as a matter of fact don't even wait until you spend all your money at the doctor and you're totally desperate and you have nothing else left to try go to the doctor if you're sick i don't mean that but i'm just saying jesus saying don't wait till you get all the way desperate touch the tassel of my robe whenever you need me. And he can pause and address what's going on with you, Leanne, or me. And then he can still get over there and take care of Jairus's daughter because he is Jesus. (laughs) Hey man, sister, that's good. Yay. I love that. And you know, and, and what matters to you and what's breaking your heart matters to him. And he's always got time for that. And it's not, even if, and this will kind of lead us into the next story, even if whatever it is, you feel like you've been calling after him and after him and after him, it matters to him. So let's jump over to the story of the Syrophoenician woman is what she's called. And it's because Jesus was walking in the Syrophoenician area when he when he encountered her. And her story is in what, what, what was our biblical? It's Mark. I remember Mark chapter. Uh, hang on, I'll find I thought it. it was Matthew 15. Oh, maybe it is Matthew. Yeah, Matthew 15. Like, <laughs> it's in Mark minute. and Matthew, but we've, we've, we decided we like the, the Matthew version this time. And um, she was actually interrupting Jesus when he was taking his disciples basically on a retreat. So in, in my way of understanding it, they were kind of off duty. They were getting away from the, the public ministry so they could go and have some rest and be on their own when she, okay, when she comes on. Not a perfect for ministry. When was the last time you actually got get away and then yep. somebody's phone doesn't ring, just keep going. I agree. No, that's so true. And, and so he is, Anyway, that's kind of the setup for this. So he and his disciples are getting away from everybody. This woman finds out he's actually in her area, which is extremely unusual because they come here to get away. And um, she's got a desperate need and is crying after him. So, okay. So tell us about her. Okay. Oh, you were doing a really good job. But anyway, (laughs) so I was, I was leaning in. Um, (laughs) And so it's funny because I think in Mark, she's labeled as a Syrophoenician woman. And then in Matthew, 
they specifically address her as the Canaanite woman. And it is the same story. We've kind of compared them. But um, my commentary made the point that um, by labeling her as a Canaanite woman, it's almost like saying, I'm I'm from Cleveland, but I'm also from Tennessee, but I'm also from the South, but I'm also from the United States. So, you know, my dad used to say, the further you get from home, the bigger your home gets. You know, when you meet somebody Mm -hmm. in Greece, uh, on a trip, mm-hmm. then you say, well, I'm American. And then mm-hmm. you meet somebody in, you know, a different place and you say, well, I'm from Tennessee. So just because right. labeled differently in scripture doesn't mean that those are contradictory. Just throwing that out there because. No, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad you made that clarification. That's yeah. a great way to explain um, it. But yeah. the reason why Matthew, it says that Matthew chose to label her as a Canaanite woman, this is interesting, is because it associates her with the most notoriously pagan enemy of Israel, Canaan. Because mm. why? Those were the Canaanites were the people who lived in the promised mm-hmm. land that, that God's people had to come and basically kick out and defeat. Mm-hmm. And we, if you read scripture, then you know they caused problems as long as they were around. They never Right, right. They never quit. Um, <laughs> right. Right. So she was a Gentile. She was not a Jewish woman. She was actually from a very pagan society that were considered the enemies of the Jewish people. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet she comes to him and and her words are really, really good. And like verse 22, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter Mm -hmm. is cruelly tormented by a demon. And it says prior to that, that she was following them and she kept crying out for help. So she had a lot of persistence and a lot of of energy that she was using towards that. And it says that Jesus didn't say a word to her. Like he just didn't say anything. And so his disciples came up to him and said, Hey, Jesus, send her away. She's getting on all of our nerves. I mean, she's calling out and, you know, trying to get help and she's crying out after us. And, and then Jesus replied, and this is the part that you were bringing out when we talked about this part is that Jesus mm-hmm. said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which would be the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, but she came. So the woman probably heard all this and then she came and it knelt before him. And she said, Lord, help me. And then Jesus answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to their dogs. Um, yes, Lord, she said, yet even that she, she responded back to Jesus. I mean, she wasn't giving up. She didn't just yeah. say, can I please have that? And he said, no. And she's like, okay, fine. You know, like this was, this was an issue that she was not willing to take one rejection for, but at this point she's up to about three or four, right? Right. Now, most of us are going to curl up when we get rejected one time. Isn't that Mm -hmm. our society? Well, they turned me down or I, you know, I got a rejection letters like, well, send 12, you know, anyway, right. So so she's already been rejected over and over and she keeps coming back. And so Jesus said that. And she said, yes, Lord. In verse 27, yes, Lord. She said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And my Bible has an exclamation point, which I always encourage people. Don't forget to look at punctuation when you read scripture, because that's good. You know, it it emphasizes things. And now if it was me writing it, because I am an editor's worst nightmare is I put like four exclamation points because I would say, yes, Lord, but don't even dogs eat crumbs from their master's table exclamation point like four times. So really, really interesting. Um, Scripture is a little bit better edited than it, but, um, and Jesus replied to her and here's the beautiful part. Jesus replied to her woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was cured. Ta-da. Wow. Ta-da. I love that. I love that. Here's a thought, Leanne. Mm -hmm. What if 
she had turned away at the first rejection. Oh, that's right. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I shouldn't even say rejection. What if she had turned away at the first not positive response? I should probably not say rejection because I don't think that Jesus actually rejected her because that's not who he is. The disciples probably, yes, because they were human like us. Right. So, right. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say anything, uh, you know, casually about scripture that wouldn't be right. But she did hit some, she did hit some roadblocks, so to speak. Right. For speed sure. bumps that slowed her down on her progress to get to Jesus. So what if she comes to this first speed bump, which is not just being widely accepted the minute she walks up. Right. Mm-hmm. And it says, well, it's just, I guess it's in my day. I guess my daughter's right. have to say, you know, going to have to just keep being tormented by demons. Yeah. And yeah. then it begs the question, how easy is it to to create circumstances or to set people up? How easy is it to give up too soon? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in my mind with at most anything else, I might would be tempted to give up, but as a mother for my child, that's not an option, you know, but it is hard. It's hard, isn't it? And how many mothers do we know? And I, I would put myself in the bucket who have cried after Jesus and have not gotten an answer as quickly as we were desperate for it in very desperate situations as well. So exactly. It's a very good point. Um, and we have a society. I'm not blanketing too many people or, you know, creating too many situations, you know, too many generalizations, but goshly, and it seems to me like we live in a society that gives up too soon. Yeah, there you go. Um, That's a good I've point. talked to people and they said, well, I, I've invited them to church maybe. Oh, well, I wish you would come. Yeah. Well, I came yeah. one time and I couldn't find a parking spot. Well, I came yeah. one time and nobody called me out by name. Well, I came one time and da, da, yeah. da. And I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. As the church, we right. should be as as bend over backwards as much as possible. But But there's also got to be a little bit of gumption about somebody. You know, yeah, that's like, right. Hey, listen, if you if 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 you went to a different place, if you went to a ball game and you had trouble finding a parking place, you know what you do? You pay $50 to park in a spot the Boy Scouts are, you know, selling parking spots at or you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you would right. go to a lot more effort for that. Why will we not do the same spiritually? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I do agree that it, that as the church, we should we should keep that in mind and make our gatherings and, and all that as welcome as possible. But also mm-hmm. that same thing bleeds over to us, even as believers though, that like you mm-hmm. said, well, we hit like a bump in the road and think, Oh, well, I guess I'll just quit on that. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and how many a- people do that? They give up on their faith because God didn't answer a prayer. It, and always my thought is, and one, I'm very uh, compassionate toward, what you desired and what you felt like was God's response. Well, what was God's response to your prayer? But in my mind, I'm always like, when is too soon to 
to give up? Like when, how long is long enough? Do we, do we have a prescription that says, well, if you ask God three times, then on the fourth time, you might as well just go seek after something else. Or, you know, do you, in fact, I've been studying a little bit on Elijah and, you know, Elijah was um, taken care of by a widow whose flour and oil never ran out during the drought that Elijah had prophesied. And then lo and behold, her son dies. And the, and what I love about that, and it's in first Kings chapter uh, 17 is Elijah literally takes the boy from the mother, goes up into his room and he cries out to God. What on earth are you doing? Basically. Now that's my Leanne McCoy translation of it, but he's saying what here, this woman is taking care of me and all a part of your plan. And now you're letting her son die. Like even Elijah is confused about that, but he prayed and it said three times he asked God to bring life back into that boy. And I asked the question, how many times would he have done that? Well, later on at Mount Carmel, seven times he pray, he sends his servant out while he's praying for rain. And the seventh time he sees the rain cloud, the third time the boy came to life in my mind, I think Elijah would have prayed as many times as it took. And that's why. Because he had the faith. Leanne, as you're saying that, I'm thinking this. Why is there not a prescription? Why is there not Mm. a, it takes six, six steps for this? Is there not a chart that says when you want physical (laughs) healing, it takes this many times if you want da, 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 right? Why is there not a chart? All of a sudden it hit me because we would worship the chart. Ooh, that's good, Rachel. That is so good. Yes. Because we would then, because we would then, because we know us, right? We would then, I got chills when I said that, because we would then begin to worship the process. Yes. And we would have faith in the process. And that would transcribe into faith in myself because I have enough strength to pray three times or to walk (laughs) around Jericho seven times or whatever. And the reason why we don't know the number, because there's not a magic number, we have a holy God. And we are supposed to trust him and worship him and put our faith in him. And if it came down to uh, Leanne, if you'll just do it seven times, if you'll just, if you pray three times, if you, the number all through scripture, there's all kinds of numbers of times that things happen, you know, go dip into the river seven times to be healed. Go back to Elijah again. Um, if you're naming, go dip in the river seven times. And he's like seven times. Why would I dip in the river seven times? I got a river and I got a river back home. I could dip in, but the whole point is it wasn't about the river and it wasn't about seven times. It was about trust in God. That's right. And following and obeying what he calls us to do. And y'all, if we knew in advance, how many times it would take and then our faith would become in ourselves that we could achieve or we could somehow do or earn it. Mm. And God is going, mm, it's about me. Ooh, that's good. If I'm dipping or if I'm praying over the, the, the boy who died or whatever I'm di- dipping in the river, I'm in. No, I love it. If I'm dipping or if I'm praying, if I'm begging, whatever. But here's the deal. Every time, what am I doing? Oh God, please help. Oh God, please. Oh God, please. God, my faith mm-hmm. is in you. God, my trust is in you. And I keep going until I see the healing or God reveals to me that it's time to quit. Oh, that's so good. So good. That, and I love, love, love that because we have a relationship with a living God and it's so it's different every time there is no formula. There is no potion. There is no, um, um, incantation or, uh, like you're right. It, it's not a process. It's a dynamic relationship. Exactly. And we just saw two totally different situations. Both women are desperate, both of them desperate for desperate reasons. 
and both of them in situations that every woman can relate to or that many women can relate to. And one was healed before she even asked, just coming in touch with the tassel of his robe. The other one begged and begged and and finally received her answer. And I believe, Rachel, in both these situations, part of the purpose of the way it was done was for Jesus to be communicating something to all of the people around around her. It was more than just, he, he loves you. Like he, he cares so intimately about what's going on with you. And at the same time, he will use this situation to demonstrate who he is to those around you because he loves every one of them as much as, as you. It's a hard thing for us to understand, but in a way it brings a little purpose to, to the pain that we feel like we're suffering. Yeah. And Jesus was the king of kings, but he was the mm. king of the teachable moment. And Ooh, good. just like the, the circumstance of the, now he's God. And so he knows in advance, you know, what's coming. Although, right. although I don't know, he's God, but he was also human. So there's that, you know, that balance there that we will never understand, but he was the king of those teachable moments. And that came, he's like, Let's just see what, what these, and y'all, Leanne, I have to believe that maybe he didn't say something right off the bat when the woman um, spoke up or was crying out to them because it says that yet he did not say a word to her. And so the disciples stepped in and I'm just wondering, did he pause just to see how they were going to respond so that he could teach them Mm. a lesson? Do you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Just like sometimes Mm -hmm. you, you give your kids a moment to just see how they're going to respond. So you can go, okay, <laughs> how well did that work for you? You know, like, sh- that's good. You know, because the teachable moment is not always about um, us telling someone what they need to know, hear, think, or feel, but it's about yeah. helping them experience that moment the way that they did. And then differently to see yes. know, better. And um, because, you know, we all learn so much better by uh, our experiences and then reflecting on our experiences. Like, Oh, I put my, you know, the disciples yeah. later debriefing this. And when I was going, golly, I put my foot in my mouth today with that lady. Yeah. The other guys go, yeah. yeah, man, I was thinking the same thing, but you stepped up there and you spoke up and, <laughs> and Jesus made you, you know, wow, you really, you know, I mean, you could almost hear them debrief that like, right, right. You can. And, and, and it was all about, I believe um, that was the, the, the deeper message going on because God's looking out for the bigger um, purpose as well. And, and if we could see all of our lives, I mean, but what I love is he loves you completely and perfectly. And he cares very much about what's going on with you. And at the same time, he's using whatever is happening to um, bring breakthrough to kingdom advance. Like, you know, that, and I think as believers, followers of Jesus, um, a good thing to remember is that we are not consumers on the other side of inviting Jesus into our lives. We're on mission with him. And that's a totally different concept. If we are constantly looking for ways that Jesus is going to satisfy us and fix our problems and make our life more bearable, because who doesn't want to be a great example of look what God will do and how wonderful your life will be when you follow after him. But that's not what we were called to do. We were called to be on 
mission with him to reveal who he is to the world. And in this way, then he will um, allow suffering. I mean, we it's actually part of the sign up deal, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so the suffering is literally a part of the calling and he will use that to advance the kingdom at the same time, loving you through the whole process and caring. And in both these situations, I love that these women got their prayers answered. I don't know about you, but I really like that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, Here's the other thing too. And in everything that you said, so good. Um, Mm -hmm. But all the way through here, you, you just find these little nuggets for women. And I know it's where our, this show, your your podcast is directed. Mm-hmm. The truth. Um, these are teaching moments for all of us, but girlfriend, do not miss this teaching moment for women. And there's mm-hmm. so much right here that is so good. And one, your, your concerns matter to Jesus. Take them to him. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, just like this mama whose heart was mm-hmm. broken for her child, who was desperate for her child. But here's this thing. And as I was kind of studying about women in scripture, and I came across this word that you're going to love, and you've mm-hmm. heard it before, especially in something like my big fat Greek wedding or something like that. But Jesus honored, respected, and uplifted women over and over and over and over and over again in scripture. Yes. Okay? And yes. one of the things that he, uh, repeatedly responded to was women with chutzpah chutzpah that's c-h-u-t-z-p-a-h chutzpah and Mm -hmm. it's kind of used um a lot of times you'll hear it like in the movies or something to be like she's got some guts you know like the woman was she 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 lived it out she was all in i love it and and one of the things is is that that word is actually used in scripture in several different passages about women and it's it's saying that she was persistent in her calling out in her crying out to mm. jesus she was persistent in her prayer the widow mm. that that was persistent with the with the judge and got him to respond to her. She had chutzpah, you know, I love it. And so it's one of those things that sometimes our world says, <laughs> well, Christian women, they're just a bunch of wimpy little whatevers. And I'm like, who are you talking to? None of the Christian That's women right. I know are like that because constantly we fight a battle every day, every day, so right. Very real enemy. But, but girls <laughs> don't ever lose sight of the fact that, that Jesus calls us not just to be good women not just to be Mm. christian women but he calls us to be warriors like bold Mm. and fierce and Mm -hmm. and tough and that we can have some chutzpah especially in our spiritual lives so that we don't y'all if you keep reading the story remember what i read it to you kind of but when jesus responded to the woman he kind of put her off a little bit at first Mm -hmm. again I do not call this a rejection. It's more like a road bump in getting to where she wanted to go because Mm. I do not believe that Jesus was ever going to reject her, but he was giving her a little bit more teaching moments, teaching moments. And and, and then because he kind of, uh, and she knelt before him. Because why mm. she had already called him son of David, which meant that she was recognizing that he was Jesus. So that was a good thing yes. coming from like Gentile world. So she, mm-hmm. but then she fell on her knees before him, another sign of respect. 
And then he answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to their dogs. And a lot of people read that. And the very first time I read that or several times that I read that, I thought, well, that's just straight up rude, you know, Mm. but then it kind of wars with what you know about Jesus. And you're like, that's not how he would be. And if you read Mm. in the commentaries about it, it was using, it was telling us that that word for dogs is more like a, a term of endearment, like a nickname for like a house pet. Like the very loved, which I have zero of, but I love that you all love your pets, but oh, so, so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I had him turned off and it went through anyway. Um, so sorry. Anyway, but it's a term of endearment used for like pets, like a lap dog that would sit in your lap and you would feed from the table. And so, but when he says that to her, he first kind of did that and she knelt at his feet and then he says this, then she responded and she's like, uh-huh. yes, Lord, I get it. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And he's like, good answer. You know, good job. Good. And so I was just thinking that shows some chest because she responded yes. with, I hear you, but it, yeah. you know, Hey, can yeah. we look at it this way? And then yeah. um, he's like, girl, your faith is great. Let it be yes. done for you as you want. And so you oh, don't know, that. you know, which of those speed bumps mm. is going to get the, the, yes, you know, motion yes. up to where you want to go, but that we just keep pushing through and persevering is the key. Is that chutzpah. Ooh, I, I love that. Max, it's kind of a fun word, isn't it? I love that word, chutzpah. And yeah. it's so, um, that's a, I love that. <laughs> don't know what to say, but that is good. That is good. And uh, my daughter had a phrase where she would say, I had to get my guts up. That's your chutzpah, you know, like just and to press through. It sounds similar, you know, uh, so many of our words today and our phrases actually have some foundations and some Mm. other, in some other uh, and, and chutzpah, I don't think when, when I read about it in scripture, or when I read these women have that there's not a disrespect for authority. There is not a, I am woman, hear me roar at all. The attitude, it just is a, it's just enough guts to persist, you know, to keep doing what I feel I need to do or what God has called me to do or what um, to go after what I need, but not in an ungodly way. Does that make sense? Yeah. The minute that somebody hears this, the world is going to say to them, so you stand up woman and you do, 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 do. And if God calls you to take a stand, take a stand, but it's not about self uh, attention or glorification, but it was all about being where they needed to be with Jesus so they could receive Mm -hmm. what they needed from him so that they could live the life he had called them to live. It's a little bit different. That's very good. Very good. And I think what you have emphasized that I want to make note of as I'm hearing it is it's the humility of knowing that Jesus is the answer and not the the faith that is pressing through is the faith that just says, I'm not looking anywhere else. I'm looking to you. And um, if you're not coming through for me, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with you. I'm staying with this. I'm figuring it out and not any hint of, well, good grief. What good are you? That would be blasphemy and not having faith but faith is no matter what I'm not going to look around I'm not going to look elsewhere it's you I've come to for help and then I'm going to be humble enough to just press in with you until the help comes and I think that is a beautiful 
um, expression of faith that um, that even delighted Jesus. There's so many times in scripture when Jesus is so, um, you know, like his heart is um, made cheerful by the expression of faith. And it usually comes from people that were not a part of Israel. And so they were people that had not been so entitled all their lives by the graciousness and the favor of God. And therefore they could um, embrace the wonder of it all much easier. And um, yeah, I want to be they a also child. also had to overcome hurdles to get to God, you know? Yes. It wasn't right for them. I think one of the words you said is really, really good. And I know we're probably done, but yes, um, good. humility is the key and recognizing how much we need God is the key. Yes. And it takes chutzpah to recognize that I do not have enough strength mm-hmm. on my own to do everything that I need to do or to do any of the things that God has called me to do or to live this life. But we have listened to the world and society that says, you don't need anybody. You've got it all. You're tough. You're da, 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 da. And the truth mm-hmm. is, is that if I ever decide to live this day on my own strength, I will fall short. But the uh-huh. humility that it takes for me to get up in the morning and recognize I do not got this. Like I do not have enough. I That's need good. Jesus for everything. Then that empowers me. It fills me. It empowers me to live with more chutzpah to go after those other That's things. Good that, um, that are the things that weigh me down or that cause me to be desperate or that break my heart or that, you know, are just those things that are out there um, that are part of the life that God has, has called us to. Right. So good. So good. Well, this really does wrap up very well as I have a car going by. Sorry about that. And Um, they were doing my yard and it's like, so loud. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Real life. The Lord's real life. It it is real life. And the Lord's like, girls, y'all got the chat spun. I think the message is delivered. And I'm going to say that is what a great um, conversation. I really do appreciate it, Rachel. And I think that um, you've done um, such a beautiful job or Lord, we thank you for doing such a beautiful job of um, using these two very desperate women and their miraculous encounters with Jesus to teach us what it means to be a woman of great faith and persistence today. And um, I, I know that this is just a word that all of us need and that I know you're encouraged by. So Rachel, thank you so much for being part of this today. We'll have to get together again and just dive into some scripture. This was a lot of fun for me. I loved it. It's my favorite thing. I love it. I mean, I'm sorry I wasn't ready on time, but it's my favorite thing. Oh no, it's all good. It's all good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Rachel. Okay. Thanks girl. Love you. Love you too. And there you have it, my praying people. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and you could tell how much I was being encouraged as Rachel and I were diving into the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword and divides to the joint and the marrow of our bones and our spirit and brings about transformation and challenges to us. I hope that you are diving into the word of God on a daily basis and allowing his word to just really transform, encourage, 
courage and renew your faith. So with our faith, we can move mountains. We know that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And no matter what anybody else is saying, He is hearing and listening to us when we pray. And if our answers are not here right now, they are certainly on their way. I want to also mention to you, speaking of my laughing place in the North Carolina mountains where I recorded this podcast and where I'm sending it to you this week, I wanted to remind you that I'm bringing women here this fall in the month of October when the mountains put on their most glorious show, and I would love for you to come and join me at my laughing place. You can find out more about the fall retreats that we're offering in the month of October and a few of them into the early days of November. November by going to my website at leannemccoy.com, hit the scroll down menu and look for private retreats. And there you can find all the information you need about those. You can certainly reach out and contact myself or my daughter, Michael, who will help answer any questions that you have regarding those retreats. But anyway, keep on praying, my praying people, and be encouraged. Know that you matter, your prayers matter, and God's answers are on their way.